Hello, everybody. My name is Gina Marie, and welcome to the Mixed in the Six podcast, where we are sharing stories and building community for mixed race people in Toronto. Welcome to our first podcast ever with our special guest, Bobby Del Rio, actor and playwright. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Mix in the Six podcast. The very first one, the first one ever. We have no idea if anyone's ever going to see it, but thank you, Bobby, for being here. <laughs> I'm your guinea pig. I can't wait. Yes, the guinea pig. So, Bobby Del Rio, you've been in the entertainment industry for 22 years. You're the creator of a play, a wonderful play that I've seen, Professionally Ethnic. Oh, yes. Thank and, you for coming. You know, just a creator of many awesome things out there in the industry. So I'm happy to have you. Thank you for having me. You're so supportive, you know, the, the mixed race community. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. I really, I should be interviewing you. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm good to interview you. So we can switch for your podcast. I can be a guest. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. That's Even actually though- like, let's do it like for real. Like, yeah, let's, let's make that happen. Well, first, how about what is your podcast about? Okay, so actually I have two podcasts sort of like mm-hmm. in production and then I have maybe another four to six in development. So, you know, it's crazy because I had a lot going on before COVID mm-hmm. and now obviously we're all quarantined. Um, and then I've got like six to 10 new projects started since quarantine began. Like, it's weird. It's kind of like, it's like the Renaissance right now. Like, obviously it sucks because people are dying and people are getting sick and there's a lot of fear, but it's also sort of like an amazing time to be an artist because you kind of have all this time to like make stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First and foremost, hearts go out to everyone who is either suffering from COVID-19, has been affected by COVID-19. I, I know I work at healthcare, so we've really kind of felt the brunt of it. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's kind of a really interesting, unique opportunity for people from all different industries to do something different. So it sounds like you, Bobby, you've been making really good use of your time since quarantine. Yeah, well, look, I mean, it started where I was like everyone else. I was like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, am I really going to be indoors for X number of weeks or months or I don't know, dare I say years? I mean, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then actually, so the, the first podcast that I created was, just, was called Social Distance. Um, and it was a very simple premise, right? The idea was like, um, let me find other people and every week, let's just check in and see how they're doing. And then I was like, man, like if this thing lasts two weeks, then it will be a short podcast. <laughs> um, but we're on episode uh, five or six awesome. right now. And we're only doing it once a week. So, so I was like, First of all, it's, I mean, in a way disconcerting that there's so much content to talk about because it means that this thing is just going on and on and on, right? But it's also been good for the community, right? It's kind of like, it's like, it's kind of nice to have a place where you can like talk to people and be like, hey, like, how are you doing? Like, your voice matters. And then from that, um, I've just had to learn all this stuff. Like, I've learned how to edit and I've learned how to use YouTube and I've learned, like, I've just learned how to do things that you know, you think you would know, but actually, like, you think you would just know how to do a podcast, but at, like, you know, you're making a podcast. And I imagine it's also Absolutely. something you're trying to figure out, right? Absolutely. 
but it's a cool opportunity if you think of it that, that way for us to be forced to learn new things, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so speaking of new things in your social distancing podcast, which I think is very, very relevant. And I want to know, I want to watch it. What are the, some of the things you have learned from the people who've been on your, on the show? Um, so first I have to say, like, I don't know why you're not like an entertainment news reporter, because this seems so professional. You just seem like you've done like a hundred. I'm like with the female Joe Rogan right now, you know, like it's, it's all downhill from here now. <laughs> yeah. This interview's over. Yeah. Bye. You know, <laughs> this was like uh, my top, but thank you. Thank you. No, no, it's good. You're, you're really natural at it. Um, you know, what I've learned first of all is that everybody um, is interesting. It doesn't matter who they are. Um, it's not like Barack Obama is doing the podcast one week and then next week, you know, we've got, I was going to say Kurt Cobain, but that would be a very difficult interview to get, you know? Yeah. Um, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. But it's, you know, anyway, we're just, it's just like kind of like whoever, right? Like the whole idea was like, whoever wants to be on it can be on it. And so what's really cool is it, it's not like they need to be famous to like be interesting. Like everyone's dealing with um, quarantine differently. Um, every week it's different. Like even for us, like we have three guests. It's like me. Megan Larson and Stephanie Baird, um, we're all hosting it and producing it. And it kind of varies. Like we're all, we're not all available every week. Um, but you know, for the most part we are, and you just see us change every week based on how the world is changing. And it's kind of, I mean, it's sad in a way, but it's interesting too, because you just see like it really changes the way you feel about your own life based on how this thing is unfolding every single week. Absolutely. Uh, interesting thing. Cause today I, I shared with Bobby earlier that I was meditating, not for an entire eight hours, but I was in a meditation course today, like a teacher okay. teaching course. Oh, damn, the, cool. the big, um, the big theme of today was impermanence. Uh, everything mm. is changing. We are changing. Even mountains that think, you know, we think that they're unchanged. They're like literally changing every moment. Um, you know, they were once under the ocean and now they're a mountain, you know, in some different type of terrain. Mm -hmm. So that's just a, an interesting piece I wanted to share. I'm no, it's so it's just so relevant, right? You know, it's funny, like after 9-11, the world changed where people started because everything was work, work, work. And all of a sudden, the work-life balance sort of became a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Now I think, like this thing you talk about impermanence, it's brilliant. It's like, that's where we're at, you know? I feel like my career has changed every day of the quarantine in the last four weeks. And in, it's good and bad. Like, it's like, I have so many new projects. There's so many people who wanna work with me and interview me. I mean, it's, it's almost, I almost feel guilty saying that, you know? Um, but at the same time, you also, it's like the rules change every day during quarantine because even just logistically and pragmatically, there's so much more digital content because people have nothing to do but create digital content. So everyone's learning to edit. Everyone's learning how to create a YouTube channel. Every, like today I was like Googling IGTV to learn more about its origin and how to like it's almost like we're the world now is a bunch of painters and we're just like playing with our palette, right? It's like, we have so many options 
and we've all been, you know, working or going to the gym or whatever, all the things that we're doing. And now it's like, well, we're, we have nothing to do but sit and learn and pass the time. So it's kind of like every day people are, it's like the, there's new rules of society. Um, you know, but it's, it's interesting, right? It's, it's, it's this impermanent state of evolution. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a pretty interesting time to be alive. Completely. And, and it, you're making me think of also the inspiration for this podcast. <laughs> it also came from, you spoke about community, but it came from uh, how connected and how strongly I feel about the mixed community and, and mixed mm-hmm. things. While also we've changed, like Hans running a restaurant, I'm doing, you know, every kind of training under the sun. And yeah. I, still, I still work in mental health. And something that kept coming, coming to me was like stories, stories and community. And so right now, in order to share our stories and to create community, it's not just getting people together and hanging out. You have to learn how to edit and do all the things. And if I'm not mistaken, did you start out as an actor and then go into all of these other branches of, of entertainment? Yeah, I did. I mean, you know, we were talking. Uh, I mean, we, we always talk, but, you know, you were like, oh when did you start in the industry and I was like (laughs) I had to think right and I was like well I guess it depends how you define it but for me I would say 1998 Mm -hmm. um, that was the first time I did anything that was um, non-school basically Mm -hmm. Um, I was in David Yee's play in 1998 called Half-Life and um, actually he's also mixed he's like half Chinese and he just won the governor general's award a couple years ago so he wrote a play called Half-Life about being half Asian. Um, actually, it's funny. I reference that now. We're both half Asian, which is really cool. Um, but the play, anyway, did really well. Got like a four-star review in Now Magazine. And we ended up touring it to Rochester, New York. And like all this cool stuff happened, right? But that was the first, because so I met uh, Dave in school. So I was in first year. He was in second year. We became friends. I think it was also the first time I ever met another half Chinese human that I wasn't related to, you know. And what year was that? Sorry if I missed that. Um, I guess it would have been '97. Would have been my first year at Arendelle. Uh, so I shared in college in the University of Toronto, Mississauga. They have a joint theater program. He was a year ahead of me, and it was like, I it was like before school, but like I, you know, frosh week or whatever it was. And uh, and I just I I just met this guy, and we kind of looked at each other, like are you, I think you're <laughs> like, are you, it's like, it's like the nod. You're like, hey. yeah, you know, it's cool. Like I just support what you do so much. And um, I'm really grateful for you because this never existed when I was growing up. I was the only mixed kid that I knew. So when I met Dave, it was amazing. Cause we were like, you know, like instant brothers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then now there's like, a, there's so many of us, that now I'm on a podcast for us, like it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I that's it's interesting um, that you mentioned that because I've also experienced that as well. Where like some some cultures, some groups have like there's something like where you look at someone and you know that you're like okay, like I see you, like we're from you know cut from the same cloth, or we get it. With mixed people, it's a little bit more of like a perplexing like <laughs> for you. Uh, yeah, it's like a smile, sure. but you're like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> yeah. You're like, are you? Yeah. Or I've gotten um, ones where people, I can feel someone looking at me, like, and then smiling, but then, like, kind of backing away. And then finally someone's like, 
are you mixed Asian? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> or or the, the one that I get a lot is, are you Spanish? Yeah. <laughs> what about what? Yeah. What about you? What do you get? It's exactly the same. Yeah. It's exactly the same. You know, it's funny because I remember my first Mixed in the Six event. And I was, you know, I'm actually very introverted. Like, I'm a very shy person, even though I'm, you know, like an actor. And, you know, I've been interviewed hundreds of times and all these things, right? Like, I've done a lot of stuff. Um, but the reality is, like, as a human, like, I'm very, like, I'm the guy in the corner, quietly observing before I feel comfortable to talk to people. And that, that was my experience at the first Mix in the Six event. I think I was, like, lurking in the shadows. And then I slowly started talking to people. Um, and it was amazing because it was like, I don't want to be too corny or something, but it was like coming home for the first time. Do you know what I mean? It was like discovering the village where your people were born. Because everyone was like me. Now, some people were part black and some people were part Asian. Some people were part, like there's so many interesting people, but we, were, we all could I could share this experience of kind of not quite fully being part of a thing. But with you, I felt like now we have our own thing, you know? Well, thank you. You know, that like makes me feel so good because <laughs> that was, that was our whole intention was to help people feel uh, connected and that they belong mm -hmm. and to help people feel seen, but to build community. And I'm glad that that was, was your experience. And oh, yeah. like, when you finally kind of find your your people, you kind of get that sense of recognition. Yeah, yeah and I never had that feeling before, and I didn't even know that I needed it. Or, but like I, I mean, that was years ago, and I'm, you know, and I've said this off camera many times. I'll say it on camera, like whatever you need, like I'm here, like I just support what you're doing, and you know, and you're so genuine too. Like I don't know, you know, like some people are haters out there and they'll see people doing stuff and they just but for anyone who wants to know like, like genus like hardcore like genuine like it's all about community like there's no you know there's so many people um who would take advantage of the sort of situation you're in because you've got you know you got a lot of people a lot of attractive people i must say you know mixed people um but like you could you could try to like squeeze money out of people or like I'm going to turn this into that. And you never for a second have done anything but try to like foster and build the community. And that in and of itself is amazing. You know? Thank you so much. That was also thank you. Cause I feel like I need <laughs> that. Cause I often think that um, I like wish I was doing more. And then also hear what you're saying. Like there was definitely that feeling where we could take it, take this all a bunch of different ways. Um, but what is like most, like what's going to feel most authentic and what do I feel is going to really honor and value like the community? Um, there's lots mm. of like ideas that I've had. It's just also, you know, whether it's feasible and, and um, uh, you know, pulling together a team. So I'm still working on it. If anyone's, uh, oh, Bobby, you're in to help. <laughs> I'm in. I'm definitely going to ask you how to edit this podcast. That's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. It's super but, uh, easy. iMovie. I learned it on the really? YouTube tutorial. It took me two hours. Yeah. To learn. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's well, so easy. I'm, I'm hoping that now everything will just, it'll be hard at first, but I'll learn. Like even when we were doing mix of mix in the six events, at first I remembered like I would think about them over and over again and like, be like, no one's going to come. I'm like, what if, like, cause I'm, I'm generally like, or naturally an anxious person. That's why I do all this meditation mm. to bring my like, <laughs> bring me down a little bit more 
Um, but then so many people came and then it became like we had, we had like a really good routine going. Now, of course, we've had to scale things back during for timing and or for our own schedules and, and also adapt. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard. Things were hard at first, but you get easier. You get more, you just get better once you keep, keep at it. Yeah. And I mean, look, here's the reality. I mean, we're all quarantined now anyway. Yeah. So it's almost like a reset, right? Like everyone's momentum has stopped because nobody was being like, you know what? I think that world is going to shift to this weird time when we're all indoors for months. And, and it's like, you could go outside, but it would be better if you didn't go outside at all for any reason. Cause you're like, uh, okay. And yeah, like you're saying, it's changing all the time and it's very confusing. Uh, I have a question yeah. for you about community. You, you, I feel like your podcast, you're building that, but how do you feel like going forward, people can build community, like not just mixed people, but anybody who are, who want to connect can, can build community during, during these unprecedented times? Well, I mean, look, I think most people realize Zoom is a pretty popular platform uh, for video conferencing. Uh, which is what we're using for anyone who doesn't know. Um, but there was quite a few of them. Um, you know, what's interesting is that you could really just FaceTime people. I mean, you could just call people, but I feel like even this, it really does surprisingly feel um, like a real connection. Maybe it's also there's, it's the absence of face-to-face -face connections. And like, you know, I've gone to the grocery store and I've run into people I haven't seen for years and it's been, it's great, but it's also a bit sad because you want to hug them. You want to high five and, hey, man, and, and you have to maintain this distance. Right. And so it's, it's, it's beautiful, but it's also sort of harrowing, right? You're very torn. So I don't know. I think what's going to happen. There's, there's two things like really to answer your question, I think jump on as many video conferencing things, whether that's like a, video chat or a FaceTime or a messenger video or a Zoom. There's like probably a thousand. But also I think this is a delay for the amazing parties that are going to happen when this is done. Like it's going to go next level because it's almost like you're just craving that connection, craving that connection. And I just think that two things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to have people who are going to reject people because they're afraid of them. But then I think, I, I think the overwhelming majority seek and crave that connection so deeply that we're going to connect in ways that we never did. Like you, you're going to realize, you're going to realize that, man, like why am I not throwing more house parties or why am I not seeing the people I love every week? Mm -hmm. what, you know what I mean? Like, why am I not like, it's, I think there's going to be more, like way more value placed on in-person social interactions um, where I think it's going to be a really, a really fun time, but it's, we have to get through this and this is going to last for a while. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. I've been thinking about new ways for us to connect as, as communities and, and in different ways than we were before. So I, I had this idea of having a house concert. It's not a mm. new idea. But um, sort of instead of going and finding and booking a, a place out in the community, 
again, which is really fun, but then there's also, uh, you have to make sure you sell enough tickets and you book the place and rent the place. But I was kind of thinking maybe just having like something in my house with a small group of people with a, an artist or a performer that I really appreciate. And I was thinking even someone from the mixed community. Thoughts? Would it yeah. Would you Love come? <laughs> I would be there. Yeah. Um, I'd perform if you want. You know, I was playing guitar before uh, we started this podcast. Um, I think that now, this is why I say, I really do believe this is the re renaissance for artists in particular, mm -hmm. because now's the time where you sort of have to experiment because all the rules are gone temporarily. Um, so now's the time to fail because in a way, nobody's watching, nobody cares. In a way, everybody's watching and nobody's watching because like, I think anecdotally digital content has increased by a factor of 10 there's so much stuff everybody's doing podcasts everybody's doing youtube channels like i said everybody's doing everything and look some people can be really jaded about that but i think it's amazing i think it's like we're gonna all come out of this learning these tools way better learning more stuff and I do think there's going to be more of an emphasis placed on in-person interactions, but I do think all of this Zoom stuff, all this video conference, all the things we're learning are going to be part of, and part in the pun, but like a sort of more mixed experience uh, media-wise. Mm -hmm. So could to diversifying, <laughs> pun intended. Oh, right, right. <laughs> the way that we communicate. So not just only having the things that are, uh, that we used to do, but new ways of communicating and having that a part of our like culture as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I guess what I said is just try it, try everything you want to try because now, now's a time, you know, we, we used, we used to live in a world where people were afraid to fail and try things. And now I've really seen a shift, like people you would never expect just doing different things. And you're like, Oh man, it's cool. Like everyone's kind of going, what I'm going through is where you're just like, well, I might die. So why don't I just do the thing I always wanted to do? Absolutely. Interesting question, since you also have a podcast. If you could, mm -hmm. and, and you know, knowing that we have to take advantage of the time that we have, if you could yeah. interview one mixed person on your podcast, like anyone in the world, who would it be? Yeah. You know, it's amazing because it, I, I, no one's ever asked me that because um, I've had a podcast for three weeks. <laughs> But it's actually a brilliant question. And the answer came to me right away when you said, who would you, and then when you said mixed, it still worked because he happens to be mixed. And it was so clear to me, Barack Obama. Mm. Like I love Barack Obama and I didn't realize how much I love the guy, honestly, not because he's mixed. He just happens to be mixed, which is cooler. We all know that. Um, but just the way Trump has been, I don't want to get political or whatever, but you know what he's killing people with the decisions that he's making and i just think man what if barack obama was the president right now instead of trump like how different would the would the entire world be right mm -hmm. so yeah obama for sure um i'm going to very politically stay out of any political <laughs> comments <laughs> oh. besides <laughs> Because I, I think what you were just saying, I think there are a lot of people that agree with you and perhaps a lot of people who would disagree, but that's what we're here for. Having different sure. opinions is the way 
that, you know, how our world is interesting. But what would you ask him? Maybe, maybe something like, would you, well, yeah, what would you ask him that's not political? Um, you seem like the kind of guy that could be successful in any element of life. I think Obama could be a stand-up, he could be an actor, he could be a lawyer, he was a lawyer. Um, he could be a, obviously a politician, he could be a teacher, he could be whatever. Why did you choose to devote your life to public service? Mm. Right? Because some people, you know, the stench of power sort of emanates from them and they just, but that with Barack Obama, you never know, but he really just seems like there's a greater purpose that he has. Um, and that I don't think many people carry within them. So I guess I would want him to sort of define that and maybe discuss that. Well, if Barack Obama, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're he listening, is. Because obviously. he's mixed and obviously he wants to watch this podcast. <laughs> well, he follows me on Twitter. Um, does because, he really? Because I think they follow every single person that follows. So they're following like 355,000 people. Oh, wow. Um, but I am one of them. Let's take a moment. I mean, that's still really cool. I have to admit. Is it? I, I, I mean, it's kind of a joke. It's kind of true. But like, it's like they're following 355,000 people and they have 355,000 followers, right? So, but it's still, it's like, you know what? Technically, Barack Obama's following me on Twitter. Yeah. And also for anyone who is listening, if you want Barack Obama to follow you on Twitter, now you have the golden, <laughs> the golden info. Just follow you him. You didn't hear it from me. It's a secret. Uh, well, speaking of purpose and, you know, career trajectory, I'm mm -hmm. curious because I, I've, I haven't seen all of your plays, but I have seen Professionally Ethnic, and I mm -hmm. hope you're willing to talk about it, because I loved it. I had a question for you. Mm -hmm. What, like, where did, what inspired you to create it? Because I just thought it was brilliant. And maybe, wow. maybe tell a little bit about what it is for those who have not seen it. First, professionally, I, I have a lot to say about this, so um, actually, thank you for asking me this question. Uh, professionally Ethnic, uh, is a play about an ethnic actor, an ambiguously ethnic actor, which you'll appreciate as a fellow mixed kid, an ambiguously ethnic actor who's offered a chance at stardom from a Caucasian uh, theater company if he's willing to play a, um, an ethnic identity um, that he doesn't sort of belong to. So, you know, that's sort of a wordy way of saying, like, he's not white, and then, you know, this white guy's like, hey, be this sort of super ethnic be the face of multiculturalism in a sort of like stereotypical way and you'll be rich and famous. And then he does, but it's actually a morality tale, right? So it's about what are the, it's like a Faustian sort of deal with the devil. It's like when you get the thing you want, is it worth what you had to do to get it? So I guess for me, it's a sort of complex aspect of the multiculturalism debate because a lot of uh, conversations about race I find turn into white people versus not white people, you know, just to be reductive and have this sort of simplistic assessment. But it's really just two camps of like either racism doesn't exist or you're all racist. So for me, I thought it was interesting to talk about, well, what if you actually do get the thing you want, but it's an analysis of your morality, right? So like if you have to play a sort of stereotype in order to 
to be successful, um, like what are the costs of that on your soul? Now, and I'm turning into a comedy. Um, it's a, now, a light comedy. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because it's light, but it's, it's loaded with yeah. this sort of undercurrent of like racial tension. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that was the only way that I could get away with it. Otherwise, it'd just be angry. So when people would read the text, I was accused of being a racist and so angry and all this stuff. And then we performed it and it's like a mainstream comedy. And people were like, oh. But that was by design because if you, if you do that straight up and angry, like nobody, no one's going to listen. So we did two productions, one at New Ideas and the one at Summerworks. Uh, did well, really well, both places, lots of great reviews and lots of press and all that stuff. It actually, we're, I'm developing it as a television series right now. So oh, one of my questions, that's so awesome. Um, so our director for the play, uh, Ruvan, um, Sologics, I think is his last name. Uh, great guys, hilarious. Like we were like super bros. So it was also the way that he, he wanted to make sure that it was entertaining. Um, so I thought it really worked, but you know, what's funny is you asked me why I did it. And yes, you know, I mixed race and I've, I've been an actor for over 20 years and I have lots to say about being an actor of color. Um, but, you know, regardless of all of my various opinions, which are in the play, um, I met my playwright hero, Jason Sherman, um, who is, you know, Jewish and, in my opinion, the best Canadian playwright ever. Um, certainly one of them by every metric. I mean, he's won the Governor General's Award twice and been produced everywhere and now he writes television. And so I ended up being an actor at this event called Buried the Dead um, with Shirley Douglas, um, who I believe just passed away, um, which is really unfortunate. But I worked with her and she was brilliant. Um, and I've worked on a lot of other actors, right? It was, a, it was a fundraiser and it was like Artists Against War. Like it was a really cool thing. And I was an actor in this reading and a lot of sort of political and theater people came out. And so Jason Sherman came out and I met him. He was like my hero. He wrote a play called Patience that is my favorite play written by anyone alive or dead, including Shakespeare. I love that play, Patience. For anyone who hasn't read it, it's hard to find, but it's beautiful, beautiful play. So I meet the guy, I'm like, I'm like starstruck. We start talking, he gives me his email, it's amazing. And then we start emailing and he ends up sending me a link about the urgency um, needed for political playwriting which was just like, and then I read it. And in less than 24 hours, I wrote professionally ethnic from beginning to end. Mm. So it was this really cool, I don't know, just this confluence of um, improbable events that led to this play. And, and right now, like it might be my, my best play. It certainly got the most uh, press. Um, so, and you will see, like, if we get a deal right now, it's being packaged as a television series. But it's funny, because if you trace it back, I hadn't thought of that for years, but it was like, my hero basically was like, you need to say what's in your heart for the world. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I just started typing. It was wild. Oh, wow. It was yeah. like... Because I, 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 I believe I remember hearing from you before that professionally ethnic was kind of brewing for a while. And then it mm -hmm. kind of like these great series of events and that inspiration came and then bingo. 
you had it. Yeah, but you know, I like now that we're we're actually taking the time to talk about it. I mean, I just respected him and still respect Jason Sherman so much that when he when he sent me that link because he's he's telling me something, right? And he he's learning about me and he knows I'm the next generation. He's quite a bit older than me. I mean, not so much older, but you know, 10, 15 years, something like this. Um, and he's basically handing me the baton. Mm-hmm. And it was, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like the fire in my heart exploded into an inferno. And I don't even remember writing it. It just shot out of me. But then ended up getting published by a Canadian Theatre Review, which is, you know, the most respected theatre journal, academia. And then, you know, went to some works and new ideas and all, like so many amazing things happened. But it just, it just came from this place. I guess, you know, we talk about what I would ask Barack Obama, I guess, because it's like, I feel that, mm-hmm. you know, you feel that I can sense that so strongly. Like there's something in you, you know, like you could just make money and, you know, have a career and do all these things, but you have a higher purpose. And I just think there's people, when you tap into that higher purpose, it's amazing what people can accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm so, well, I'm so glad that you came to that and then you continued this to, you know, bring the play to, to new arenas. I'm so excited mm-hmm. to hear it's, it is, you're working on a show because I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was brilliant. It made me laugh. I was also very, <laughs> was, I was emotional through it as well. Oh, um, really? Yeah. That's so funny because you're not yeah. an actor, so that surprises me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can act sometimes. Right. <laughs> I, I, I highly recommend everybody watch it. It was an awesome play. It was a great experience being there. Well, what, what well, was it? What was it, though, that made you emotional? There was, can I talk about a part in the play that were... Sure. It's your there, podcast. So. There was a, well, I mean, I don't, you know, like, don't want to give away the, the, the sure. story. Oh, there was fine. two, there was a part in the play where two people were on, I can't remember how it was, but it was like different characters were on different size of sides of the main character, like right. kind of like they're, uh, you know, when you have an inner dialogue of all the people that you've met or like your inner voice telling you stuff. And each one of those characters was like, like there was the, the director that was mm-hmm. trying to, you know, basically get him to, to be whatever the director wanted him to be. And mm-hmm. then the moral co- compass, which was his girlfriend. And maybe there was a few other people that were, that were in that. It's uh, great staging place. by our director, Ruvon. Oh. So Brilliant. It's all his idea. Cause, and, and they were both like everyone, <laughs> everyone in that scene who were uh, the main characters, like inner, inner voices mm-hmm. were just saying all the most like intense things like on the extremes. And so you could see yeah. that the, the main character who is based on you, right? Mm-hmm. On, uh, based on your experience. So the main character, the, uh, the actor, uh, the ambiguously ethnic actor is like you can see the the turmoil, you know, at at all these pl- ways that he's being pulled, right? Like be stick true to who he is, or like sell yourself to the the devil to be famous for money and and that kind of thing, which is which is interesting because I I'm curious to know if you feel like that still exists for mixed race and you know racialized people in 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 the music or uh, in the entertainment industry. So you're so good at this. Like you, like you could like have a show on TV, honestly. Um, you can, you're like, you did your work, your research, like your questions are so intelligent too. 
Um, you know, I, not only do I agree with that, but I also, I think it's disconcerting because, you know, I wrote the play in 2005 or six, maybe 2005. And then it was, it had a stage reading by Ross Manson, who had just won an international award at the time. One of the most um, brilliant theater directors ever in the history of the country, right? Ross Manson, love the guy. And then it ended up getting published from that in 2009 and then produced in 2017. And here we are now in 2020, right? And, but at the time, you know, I was somewhat of, um, and I'm probably not somewhat of, but like I, you know, people hated me, quite frankly. Like I was a pain in the ass for a lot of people who believe racism didn't exist. So I was 25 years old getting newspaper coverage attacking Stratford, Soulpepper, Shaw that were almost exclusively Caucasian. And I was blacklisted and there were people that oh, they hated me and people wanted to beat me up. And, you know, it was like a really, really intense experience. Um, but I was like, let's go. I don't care. Right. I was like a hothead and just, I'm the kind of guy, it's like if 10 guys want to fight me at the same time, I'm like only 10, you know, which, you know, it's just my personality. Right. Um, so what's disconcerting is that like a lot of good things came out of the activism and a lot of things have changed in society, but now it's almost gone too far where I almost feel like everyone feels like that. Everyone feels pulled apart in all these different directions, whether you're straight or gay or white or not white or mixed or like, it's like, it's like, I feel like we're all being pulled apart all the time analyze like what's your gender and what's your age and what's your race and what so i think it's sadly a relatable thing that now because there's it's it's funny like as a writer it was never like as an actor i always you know it's really your job to kind of get judged and hired based on what you look like right which is a really tough way to go through life uh sometimes um but now i find like as a writer and maybe other industries as well. I don't know. I don't know. This is what I do. Um, but as a writer, you know, you kind of get jobs or don't get jobs based on your demographics now, which is a really weird thing. In some ways, it's good because they're aware that, for example, you know, you used to have, you know, six white guys, you know, telling a story about Asian people, you know. Well, you know, maybe that's an exaggeration, but but maybe, right? Like it really was a sort of disproportionately Caucasian thing. So now you're talking about co-opting culture. And if you don't have people in the room, you know, it's it's like, I get like, whatever, I'll talk a little bit about Trump, right? But that Trump administration, there's like that famous thing where you've got like eight old white guys uh, sort of defining, you know, the history and future of abortion, right? And there's no women making that decision. so. You want people who belong to certain groups, I think, to like participate in conversations that are going to be broadcast to many different kinds of people, right? Like diversity is a beautiful thing. But the other side of it is that sometimes you're only hired based on whether or not you're Asian or not Asian or you're this race or you're that, like to the point where I wonder if people are even reading your material. Right. So in a way, we're all professionally ethnic. Right. Or the other side of that is, you know, it's funny because actually now opportunities for actors of color have really, really increased significantly since I started in 1990, 
eight working professionally. Um, where now, in some ways, it's an advantage for people of color because there's, there's really a, somewhat of a voracious appetite for ethnic actors. But now many, I have many like non-racist white actor friends who are awesome people and awesome artists who, who kind of feel now how I felt um, and still feel where now they're kind of being persecuted because they're not ethnic, right? So I just think that we're in this culturally tense situation where you're sort of defined by things that have nothing to do with your heart. And I think everybody kind of feels that and move on stage that so beautifully, right? Like I definitely wrote the text because the characters is sort of conflicted, like politically and emotionally and academically, all these things, right? Um, but he, as you say, right, you like, you could feel that tension the way he staged it with having, like I, you know, like my, the main character was sort of in the middle and then you had you know, the other actors sort of like, creating the tension like pull almost pulling him apart right mm -hmm. and I feel like that's how everybody feels I think everybody feels pulled apart right now and it's something that we're gonna have to address as a community and as a world moving forward thank you yeah no those are really brilliant points and you kind of touch on the importance of representation but also still like the conflict of representation it's like mm. your people are still um it's still a heavy topic and there's still often lots of voices and lots of people that have a lot of say about whether or not, you know, a role should be played by this or that person, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're reaching the end of our time. So I want to make sure I give you, again, the last word and I have to come up with a brilliant question and this is where everything crashes and burns, but let's see. Every question you've asked <laughs> is brilliant. You I know mean... what, I, I just thought, I've, I had an interesting thing just an interesting thought is what would you tell your younger, like the younger mix? Well, you're always going to be mixed. That's who you are. But like, what would you what? tell your younger? I'm not going to grow out of this? <laughs> you're like, what? Oh, I've been <laughs> man. <laughs> what would you tell your younger self now, knowing what you know now? It doesn't have to be about being mixed, but I just, because you've given such a great history of your career and stuff. But yeah, what would you tell? Take the pressure off. Do what you love. It doesn't mean what you think it's going to mean whether you succeed or fail. Like I have succeeded so wildly in my career and failed so spectacularly at the same time. And I just feel every single day is completely different. But the reality is it doesn't matter. Like live your life the way you want to live your life. Like that's the only thing that matters. Right? Like, I don't, you know, if you want to like be an artist, do it. You don't want to be an artist, don't be an artist. You know, you just want to devote your life to having a family, do that. You know, I just think that life is precious. And I think now that a real large aspect of life, the social aspect, has essentially been taken away from us as a society. And you realize how valuable this sort of world is. And I just think you want to spend every second living it the way you really want to live it. Thank you. Wise words. Beautiful. What's the I, question? It's all the, bro the brilliant question. You know what? It's brilliance knows brilliance, right? This, <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. I have to say, I want to say thank you for all the work that you've done for the 
entertainment industry, for the arts, mixed community, and the professionally ethnic people out there. Um, I've always been a real fan. Thank you for being a member of Mixed in the Six and also for being my friend and my first guest on the, oh. this podcast. Thank you. You've been awesome and whatever you need, um, you got it. And thank you for what you've done for the community. And that was our very first Mix in the Six podcast, episode number one with Bobby Del Rio. Thanks for tuning in. We are looking forward to creating more episodes with people from the Mix community sharing their stories. And we're looking forward to having you join us again. Take care.